0: Welcome to another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, with co-host Tim Langer. Today's episode will be talking about Ido Portal Method, Movement, and the Republic of Movement. Today's guest is Sean Nicole. He's a movement practitioner and a student of Ido Portal, uh, he's inside of Edo's mentorship program as well, alongside his wife, Eileen. They are building a community of, uh, community of practitioners and teach classes out of their movement facility, Republic of Movement, here in Miami, Florida. Sean's background is in psychology and exercise physiology. He also received a PhD where he examined the effect of focusing on movement and complexity on cognitive adaptation. Sean, Nicole, welcome to the show, bud. Thank you. for to be here. So talk to us, how'd you get to where you're at and uh, how, yeah, talk to us, give us a background story.
1: Yeah. So my background inside of this uh, field of movement started uh, dancing, mainly dancing, uh, not formal dancing, but breaking, going to parties. And uh, from there, I ran into the world of capoeira, and I became fully immersed in that. And that became my religion for a while. And while I was inside of that world, I was just, yeah, start, sort of experimenting with some other stuff, parkour, some gymnastic strength. Uh, but then I came up uh, onto a video that Ido had put out that was uh, popular actually in, in those worlds that I was in. So inside of capoeira, inside of dancing, inside of parkour, this guy's video comes and kind of takes that world, those worlds by storm. And uh, I kind of did a double take and I realized, like, okay, this is the direction I want to go in. Nothing's the same anymore. And, uh, yeah, so I started following his work. He had a blog at the time, so I was following that blog. Um, And uh, the first opportunity I had to meet him, I took, which was uh, some workshop in in Boston. So I went there, and I was just, uh, yeah, this is the guy I wanted to learn from, not just what he was teaching, but how he was teaching, why he was teaching. All those things were really uh, making sense to me. And so I, I decided, like, yeah, I'll take this guy, uh, like, I'll follow this guy wherever he decides to go. And at first it was okay. Like, this is about things kind of similar to Capoeira. We were doing, like, some gymnastic strength and some groundwork that had some similarities to Capoeira. And it was familiar uh, to that. But then he started exposing us to other things, uh, like lifting and, and periodized strength work. And then he got started going into other things. And each step along the way, I started to, really appreciate how bigger and bigger this uh, experience could be and uh yeah he just kept taking us and unraveling that along the way and and here we are yeah still still take still unraveling that thread
0: so you got exposed to him through a video of ito and yeah. had, before that you had the martial arts you had the parkour you had again the break dancing so you actually yeah. did break dancing or this was like at local parties that you would do
1: it was uh, both sides of things, kind, and it was. Yeah, I say breaking because it's the thing that most people are familiar with. But we had a, a scene in Miami before a drum and bass scene, jungle music. Maybe Tim knows about drum and bass. It was more popular in Germany. A little than bit, it yes. is, Than but... it is here, yeah. Um, and in that in that scene, like dancing was a big thing. It was a lot of battling, so there was a lot of focus on doing well. Yeah. And 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 uh, marking and and. Yeah, just being precise and improvement was a big part of it so it's not like I'm going to the club to dance and whatever kind of mess around it was it was like a a a big focus but it wasn't focused enough and hence when I saw Capoeira I'm like let me go in that direction I was also breaking but it was much less my thing Uh, I have long limbs and I kicked a lot of people in the face and I'm like fuck that let me like do something where I don't feel like such a a liability in the club
0: I mean you were in such a you were training to perform in I mean the dance club was the scene where to do that, but basically you were training and performing. That's what you meant. Like you were trying to it wasn't just you dancing, it was like you competing in that sense.
1: It was yeah, it was it was a battle. Yeah. Like it it was taste of blood in the mouth, it's let's go in, let's get defeated or let's defeat. It wow. had a an aggressive feeling to it. Yeah. And still when I go to parties Still, can't have still that. For, <laughs> I still look for I still look for the this thing, this like aggressive uh Let's taste blood. Let's let's go. Let's try each other. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, But
2: is it more like a is it the competition sense that there's a judge or it's just like dancing and then maybe how the audience reacts?
1: It's a bit of this. It's and you know, you know, like oh that person destroyed me just now. Okay. I, I have yeah. You 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 yeah. There's no judge in the club. Okay. Yeah.
0: I had no combat or comeback to to what he just did, so I'm just gonna walk away on go. Over Not here. I'm
1: gonna walk away. Yeah yeah I would, I would never walk away. yeah
0: <laughs> uh I'm, I'm a big fan of breaking which is why i asked oh, okay yeah big 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 fan yeah um so you found ito well you found uh capoeira which is a little bit more structured maybe it wasn't necessarily your thing but it was something that kind of led you to something else and you found ito and then he exposed you into movement and all of its complexities uh progressions and all that stuff and again like you mentioned stuff that you guys are still unraveling um were you going to school at that point? I know you went to UM.
1: Yeah. So uh, when I was first dancing, I was in high school. I went okay. to Coral Gables. And uh, after that, I was uh, doing a undergraduate studies in psychology. And I was still in Capoe- inside of Capoeira and still dancing. And then I-, I did my master's in counseling psychology. And I was practicing Capoeira at that time. But that's when I was exposed to those work. And I started to really feel disconnected from Capoeira. Like, there's just not enough here for me. Um, then I came back to Miami to go to UM, mm-hmm. and uh, I was following Ido's work and this blog and trying to understand what he was doing. At the and he came to the states for a tour mm-hmm. to do some workshops, and uh, one of those workshops was in Boston. Mm. So I that that's while I was still at UM, I went over to that workshop. Yeah. Wow.
2: And and then I mean obviously taking that workshop and continues to practice this. So what were your next steps to be able to actually open your own gym with that method? There was a lot of steps. I'm sure. (laughs) And take us maybe through, (laughs) at least through the main
1: steps. So how, how did, how did you do with that? So yeah. so one, when I was doing the psychology thing, I, I already was into physicality. Like Capoeira had got me out of a lot of serious problems from, uh, like my youth and Mm -hmm. adolescence and, stupid shit that you do as a kid uh capoeira kind of uh, saved me from a lot of mistakes and uh so i wanted to share that kind of thing inside of psychology but it didn't psychology didn't feel like it was providing me the tools that i actually wanted to do that so i realized okay i need to go actually even before i was into the movement thing i knew i wanted to work with physicality and use that to help people in some way at the time it was going to be helping people who had um Similar problems to what I had as a kind of mm-hmm. adolescent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I decided, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to learn a bit more about how the body works. It was already interesting, but I decided, okay, I'll do this thing with exercise physiology. And so I uh, decided to do the doctoral program. And it's not like I was applying all over the country. I decided I'll apply to this program. If I don't get accepted, it's not meant to be, like you said right. before. All right. If it's meant to be, it'll happen, and it happens. And so uh, I went into that program and I learned a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff about the body. And I kept studying psychology. My kind of supporting field in there was uh, cognition and neuroscience. And um, I kept, uh, kept studying those things as well. And uh, at some point of, you know, practicing under Edo and and doing our own practice and studying these things, I decided I would share it with some people and uh, it started with a small group and it that uh, we would do it and we would practice in the parks together we started renting out some studio spaces and kind of sharing it a little bit more broadly and then eventually decided okay this is like a real thing let's give it a name etc and yeah
0: yeah i remember uh, i think it was at kennedy park and there in coconut grove yes and i see two gymnastic rings and this guy long hair uh fit dude i think <laughs> you were only wearing pants but <laughs> you had no shirt on my- <laughs> and i'm like I'm like, look at I'm like this guy and I'm walking and at that point I was working like I said it was uh one of my patients that knew you and I was like kind of looks like the description this guy was saying let me just let me just keep walking I think I was working out I don't know what I was doing there uh and I reach, and I reach out and I reached out and am like Sean, yeah I'm like, whoa what a small world like what are you doing oh, you I'm just working you know? and, and I think I lean I think that's where you guys would uh meet up to do the movement and yeah. uh stuff and I thought it was super cool like I would hear, yeah, you know, he's trying to open up a a thing. We talked about mentioned earlier, like the car wash and how the Republic movement went from a or a car detail, whatever, to what it is now. Uh, Yeah, the journey of what, and I've only been, from what I've heard, I've never been able to actually speak to you guys and hear. And here we are, through the uh, exposure of Ido through the education, through the psychology stuff and you intertwining that, uh, to the parks, to the groups, and you guys build enough of a following to be like, all right, we're gonna do this thing or we're gonna put it right in the middle of Wynwood. <laughs> yeah, 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 Uh and and you guys created the Republic of Movement. Um explain to to the listeners, I mean I know a little bit, but I'm sure I'm gonna learn a lot now, but who is Ido Portal? Yeah,
1: so I- Ido's my teacher right inside of this thing of movement. Then the Maybe I should start with this. The problem uh, endemic to using the word movement is that the word movement meant something before we used it mm-hmm. to mean something else. And so, uh, yeah, this, this word means something specific to us. So everybody's always moving. Of course, that's like... It, it, it is. Yeah, it just is. Like, we're moving, of course. So what does it bring extra to the table when somebody like Ido says, I'm teaching movement? Uh, it, it's not in the word, it's in kind of what it represents and the ideas behind it. And um, Ido kind of, uh, you know, he, his background is a really interesting background. And, uh, you know, he, he also started inside of some martial arts and also some capoeira and and uh, felt limited by those things. Uh, I don't want to speak too much on his behalf, uh, but he started the taking it broader and broader and looking mm-hmm. for uh, something that could kind of encompass as much as possible. And the idea of movement is about as encompassing as it can get. And uh, it gives you just a lens for how can I, what, what can I look at? What is revealed by using the word movement? And what makes Ido's work distinct inside of movement is not that there's just some movement of the body. Because like I said, everything's always moving. Even if you have nothing to do with physicality, there's some movement involved. Like you're sitting at a desk, there's some movement, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's not such a... But, but what's useful about what Edo's work has been is the idea of looking for connections between things, not mishing and mashing different uh, disciplines together, which is often now what that word is associated with. It's like, okay, like I do A plus B plus C. I do... Capoeira plus parkour plus I do some lifting, hence I'm doing movement. But not not the way we're talking about it. Like that's not what we mean. You are like that is movement, of course, but it's not uh, what we're saying when we're saying movement. And it's not like one person's word is right or wrong. It's just like that's what happens when you use a word is big and uh, with roots as far back as movement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Ido's approach was always about uh, producing results. In a very systematic, methodical way, very intelligent, asking why are we doing certain things, connecting pieces, Uh, and then I think the thing that makes it most singularly uh, relevant and important is the searching for tools that are general tools, and a general tool here in this sense means something that, uh, yeah, okay, so I'm the person who's like, yeah, like I said, like. uh, dance and capoeira, or whatever, the, the tools that will uh, translate to all those domains at once without mm. just having to focus on one domain. So there are certain things like how you coordinate the body. How do, you, uh, how can you digest the, the movements you observe in front of you? Can you pick them up? These are really important general tools for anybody in any domain. We want to acquire all of those tools so that whenever we confront any domain, we can uh, pick it up as quickly as possible and get good enough at it and then move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is all about. like Moving on to the next thing and not, get, not getting stuck too long in one place. Um, there are some things that are kind of mainstays like taking care of certain things, but uh, yeah, this makes the practice hard to recognize from the outside. So we get associated with gymnastic rings, mm-hmm. for example, you mentioned. Like I haven't touched a pair of rings in a long time. Mm-hmm. I can still do plenty of things because of how the, the amount of time we spent with you, years and years. But it's not the focus of what we're doing now, because now we're working on other kind of other qualities and master keys, as Ido calls them, things that will generally translate broadly mm-hmm. to other things. So footwork and coordination and rhythm and timing and and organization of the body in space in relation to another person. All those things. They're they're the things that we're really trying to uh, work with. I remember watching a video
0: uh, somewhere. Edo was in his studio, su- yeah, studio somewhere. And I remember him saying, it's not about being a specialist, it's about being a generalist. Mm-hmm. Right? And he, he would talk about, yeah, cool, you can lift the barbell. Awesome. Oh, cool, you can punch a tennis ball. Okay, cool, you can do a gymnastics rings, Right? Now can you do all of that? Or are you just one person in this particular practice? Yeah. And it and also,
1: if you're exposed to something new, would you pick it up or right. would you be like some fish out of water? Like you're an amazing person in your field, but then you get exposed to another field and you, you suck. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that's fine. You can suck. But how quickly do you pick it up? And uh, that's kind of a really important marker for us of where we're at. We want to be the people who can, you, you present something and we solve it. Like not tomorrow, not the day after, but the day that like then mm-hmm. and there.
0: So you guys are dot connectors and problem solvers. And not you guys, the practice of, of what you guys are
1: is actually working. I could think yeah, I think you could think of it that way.
2: Yeah, and it sounds like I mean that not one class you give or have so it sounds like it's like any other class, meaning probably everything is different. But let's say for for the listeners for us to picture that, let's say walking into your facility, maybe as a beginner, what what do i expect so how how might the first lesson be so what, what what do you do and like i mean let's say maybe a few examples
1: yeah sure so this is true that there is not like there is not one way it's always going to look uh, at the same time you know we you have to start somewhere so we do start somewhere and also there is some continuity to the work because we, we're results oriented right mm-hmm. we do want to uh, Develop um, proficiency. So, so yeah. From day to day, there is of course some continuity that we have projects. We're working with these longer-term projects, shorter-term projects, um, over the periods of weeks, months, years, all. Um, and what what it would look like, what the experience is like, is you know we try to uh, organize and construct our our practices, our sessions uh, along a few different. Heuristics. So for example, it makes sense in a lot of cases to start from the thing that organizes the body the most, which is the spine, Mm -hmm. right? So the arms are there, they're doing some manipulation, the legs are there, they're taking you through space, and the spine is organizing the entire thing. So we like to start with the spine, not always, maybe we would start with some activation work, depends on some other stuff as well. Uh, And generally, I wouldn't say universally, you know, you would expose people inside of a class to some strength work, of course, some mobility work, um, some some kind of work that involves communicating with the ground or, or working with the floor in some way, working with partners is kind of critical for us. Uh, and again, this idea is like, it's always systematic. So you will generally be working with an eye for some outcome. And how do I produce that outcome? And it's not like what people sometimes assume is like the, ah, oh, it's like a free play, free movement. It's not really <laughs> far from it. Um, it's it's kind of a, a bit more rigorous than that. And uh, yeah, so that's that's how a, a class can take on a lot of different shapes and uh, things. But there are some things that organize, especially the class for the first time a person walks in. We're generally doing these things no matter what. Uh and then maybe somebody is eh, stronger in one place and another, we work on the weaknesses. We work always on the weaker links. Is there a minimum
2: requirement for anyone, or can that basically anyone do?
1: If, if the person got out of bed in the morning, they can take the class. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, it, it
0: sounds like it's built off interaction, interaction with the person in front, of you, interaction with an object, interaction with mm-hmm. the goal. A lot of interactions happening. Um, and I remember, I mean, you guys post this all the time, right? The stick, right? Where someone's avoiding the stick, mm-hmm. uh, but still connecting with the ground. Like there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of principles at play. It's not just one thing. Like you mentioned, it's like, yeah, there's, it's not just play. There's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of things happening at once that, uh, may seem, uh, element, elementary to some. But what the brain is doing in order to achieve those results is a lot, which I think is the primary factor to a lot of stuff that you guys provide or, or uh, practice.
1: Yeah, there's let's say, you know, there's the, the brain is always involved inside of this this movement. Thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's always predicting what the outcome is going to be of a certain of a certain task. So it's almost you know we we talk about like mind body relationships and stuff but it's not so useful even sometimes to separate the two and to think you're working on the mind or like the body or the brain and like it's it's kind of how you're solving a problem i think is you like the way you put it before it's a nice way to think about a lot of these tests how are you solving the problem of in this case the stick and and the, the the challenge that's being presented to you in that situation that's not the only layer though because that's kind of a a test of your ability you need to have developed a certain fluency in relation to that scenario first so that scenario might not be the best uh, or at least it might not be the sole um, practice grounds for Mm -hmm. the traits you're trying to develop you might work on groundwork on its own for example Mm -hmm. or partnered work on its own or some sort of other isolation first before you connect those different attributes you said it's
2: result driven. is it then the way that there's a result i mean or a goal for each individual which that individual sets with your help or how does that work
1: we have somewhere we're trying to take all students and like i said like over a week over a month over years we have a, a direction we're going with the, mm-hmm. with the group as a whole Within that, there's the considerations for what's realistic for some people. What is like, what dispositions do some people have? What's useless for some people? Like your, you know, so, what, what's most important for some people? One person might not need so much uh, to work on the gymnastic rings. They might need to work a lot more on the torso, for example. And so we wouldn't focus so much on the strength. We would maintain the strength. We wouldn't necessarily let it go um, the way of regressing. We would maintain. But we would focus on a newer, more challenging thing, which would be, for example, the torso work. And in some case, somebody's extremely weak, and so we would have them focusing more on lifting and dealing with addressing those weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, people are individuals, and they have their own things they want to work on, so we can't always coerce them much mm-hmm. as we'd like uh, into doing what we envision is kind of the direction they should be going in. So that's kind of the the rea- how we're how we're mm-hmm. working with it.
0: Talk to us about your community, the movement community,
1: in Miami or generally.
0: Uh, let's go general and then let's make it specific.
1: Yeah. So, it, again, it goes back to the, the the semantic stretch of the word of movement, and movement community is another word and move like that people are associating with, and, and I think it's a positive thing that people are are grabbing onto that word. It just means different things to different people, so. At our movement community let's say the people that i that we identify with by we i speak for eileen and myself um that we identify with and and kind of like see as doing movement work the same work we're doing i can say about those people that uh they are obsessed i think that's one of the characterizing um traits that defines this is like when you're presented with something like this, and you have a certain personality and disposition, you just realize, like, I maybe it's the idea of, like, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to be weak. Like, we're, maybe that's what it is. Like, we don't want to be weak, and we know, like, if you take us out of the domain in which we thrive, that we will be weak, and we, for you know, whatever neurotic reasons, we can't handle that. So, we we try to be ready for all of them. I don't I don't know exactly what drives that, but. I'd say uh, 100% of the people inside of that community are obsessed, um, and yeah, they're they're not afraid of dealing with their, with the the things they suck with, which means that they are generally pretty humble people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come off. I don't mean like you know like self-effacing yeah. or self-deprecating. They're just people who are not. Yeah, like what, when we're doing our classes, you come up sometimes against people who have a lot more difficulty acknowledging oh i i struggle with this i should work with something like a little bit regressed or i should pay more attention to the parameters uh, of the task that really take me to progress and often people are really more focused on like appearing to do the task well and succeeding the people in this community are not really so focused on that success yeah Uh, they're really focused on what do i need to to bring my attention to in order to develop the the trait that's intended to be developed through this task
0: i know you guys hold like i know the shirt says movement camp and workshops (laughs) uh what does that what is that what is the movement camp what are the like ido workshops like
1: sure so uh ido organizes a yearly event the movement camp this is a, a you know 180 to 200 people something like this in a in Jesus. a facility, yeah, it's a large. It's, <laughs> yeah, and the groups are that that number is broken down into groups, kind of based on familiarity with the material. How who's like uh, who'd been more frequently there um, in the past, and it's in a facility. This movement camp, right, is in a facility in Thailand, and uh, it's um, a few different subjects that are being exposed and uh, unravelled again. It, it, yeah. So, for example, you might be working on uh, some form of dance, mm-hmm. some fighting work, some stillness practice, uh, some some coordination work, diff- different things. Every year, it's it's different, and yet there's some sense of continuity, which is really nice. It's like you you, you it's an amazing experience actually. Uh, I every year when we go, it's amazing. Like the feeling you get and you feel like you're in another dimension you're there for a week so it, like everything from home feels gone
0: yeah, and completely detached yeah, yeah
1: and something about it just feels like you went through a, a, a some sort of hyperloop and your hyperspace <laughs> thing and you're like in another dimension where it's just you're eating breathing practice it's like i mean you're eating and breathing the practice mm-hmm. um yeah so that's the that's the movement camp that's once a year and then Ido has many other workshops that he's uh, hosting and, and that are throughout the rest of the world the rest of the year. I have the uh, good fortune to assist in some of these uh, in the States. So some of these workshops are, you know, locomotion workshops or corset, joint preparation, upper body, uh, uh, body, upper body, body weight training, uh, such things. Yeah.
0: I find it very hard sometimes to because working on so many different aspects and principles to get efficient in that how do you guys uh, like again there's so many principles that you guys are trying to and i say you guys but i mean the practice of i don't want to sing you guys out um mm-hmm. the practice of movement and complexity and cognitive learning
1: uh, how do
0: you get good at things when you're always
1: changing them? <laughs> yeah so one you do you you try to understand what are you doing this particular task for. Okay. You analyze the task and you see like, what is this really developing? And you ask yourself, what parameters can I change to still be developing the trait that I was originally interested in? Mm. So you're working with like the, I think the stick thing that you were referring to yeah. with the ground yeah. was uh, avoiding a stick yeah. while uh, remaining in contact with the floor. Yeah. I think you might be yeah. meaning something like this. So uh, you can change that scenario in a lot of ways without um damaging the 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 reason that you're doing the task in the first place. Uh so maybe you would introduce a certain constraints, for example. This is one way of changing without fucking things up. Without yeah. without like a just variety for the sake of variety. We're not variety for the sake of variety. We're variety for the sake of development. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah there's that. There's just like I think the th- the, the thing that makes it possible is like just a constant critical analysis and 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 asking questions and connecting pieces and seeing what pieces like are missing from your your uh, capacities. And. Yeah, and, and also staying with things long enough, sometimes it's longer than you think, sometimes you think, OK, I've stuck with this project for years, I have nothing more to learn. And you stick with it a bit longer. And actually, there's some big change mm. that can come out of it. And for that, the only way you can know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, after you've been walking through the tunnel for four years, is when somebody's there to tell you from the other end of the tunnel, hey, there's something on the other side of this tunnel. <laughs> and that's been Ido for us. Like, he, we trust him with our practice 100%, like full, fully. So whatever he tells us, we'll do. And he's told us many times, like just keep working with this, keep working with this, keep working. And it's yielded fruit hundred percent of the time. So, yeah, it's, uh, that's how, like, fo- following the wisdom of a person who knows, who's, who's been there and who, who's connected those pieces already.
0: Yeah. Um, we mentioned this earlier, like, a lot of people can look at the videos or talks and discussions and think, oh, you know, they're just playing, which in a sense there is, right? You, you have to have some type of love and passion behind something. Mm-hmm. I would like to say that we all play
1: mm-hmm. in
0: our own manner um but there are strength and conditioning principles being applied there is neurological conditioning being applied right there there's there's it's crazy right it's crazy to think something so simple as avoiding a stick um involves something like cognitive uh uh emission mobility uh force production right Mm -hmm. it's and and i asked that question because i myself as a as a not only a practitioner in healthcare, but I like myself, all right? I myself like to move and always learn. And you can do, I'm a big advocate of, uh, it's not about so much making things super hard, but learning something really well to the point where you learn something new from it. For example, a uh, locomotion, right? Mm -hmm. You rolling across the floor, which I've seen plenty of times, right? You're going to learn a lot about yourself each time you do it. No matter what it is. Now, as you change complexity, do you start to improve your problem solving? Um, yeah, it's it's crazy. To, it's crazy to see. I think sometimes people, when they see this type of work, they're like, "I don't want to do that. I, just, I want to run fast. I want to lift heavy, and I want to look good." Which, yeah. in a sense, you can also do that as you start to involve this problem solving.
1: Let's say you won't lift as much doing yeah. what we're doing yeah. as 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 if you were just lifting but like that, that just goes like, you you know, people have different interests in their life. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people come to us thinking first, like having had an experience of being, I'm a lifter and then realizing at some point in their life, I want more. Mm. Not everybody has that experience. And how do you do that? That's just self, like that's just growing up in life and realizing like who you are and what you, what you want. And, um, Yeah, if you want, like, we'll we'll put, like, we will not prioritize incredibly high lifts, for example, over other things. So we won't get there if that's the if the if the if the 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 thirst that the the hunger is for putting like always a PR a PR a PR we can't satisfy that we PR in different ways Mm -hmm. but not not in that so we can't fulfill that we can yes some aspects of the practice will maybe keep you healthy. As you do that, and that will allow you to do that thing more. Mm-hmm. Same, by the way, I say lifting, but it's the same with a dancer. Like we have uh, plenty of people want to just move the body in creative ways. And we are not just about moving the body in creative ways. Sometimes it's the most repetitive, tedious, boring way possible. And that's 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 part of it. Some people aren't about that. So that's fine. Like parts of the practice can still uh, help you do the thing you love. But it's not, our envisionment of a movement practice is a full thing where you're always letting go of the things you are good at, good mm-hmm. enough at. That's just differences between people. But
2: I could also imagine that this practice also helps with completely different sports. I mean, for example, I saw the the video with Conor McGregor, but I could imagine, let's say, me
1: like playing tennis, that it could help me also move better on the court. That would be the idea of the generalist tools and finding the mm-hmm. tools that do transfer broadly. And but still, like at that point, you're you're deciding like a, a professional fighter is not going to do the things, and that that doesn't take him necessarily closer. Maybe he does. I don't. I don't speak for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh, at some point, you decide like what is the direction you're moving, in? you can only move in one direction at once. So are you moving in the direction of being uh, kind of about movement, which means you're doing everything you're not so great at. Yeah, maybe it will help you, but at some point it won't help you get better at that sport. At some point it won't. So you have to decide. I mean, you will decide, anyways. You're gonna decide. So, so is the, the the biggest part of your community, people who basically full
2: time are movers, or also you have, a, let's say, as a some people are doing
1: that um, that movement and. Do other sports at the same time? No, definitely. There's a lot of people who are doing other things. Mm-hmm. Definitely, there are. And like I said, I mean, there are people who are doing other things because they love them and it brings them joy. Yeah. And they still and and I think they still think of themselves as movers, and um, in, in, in as we're just using that term, right, to yeah. refer to a person who's trying to go broadly after these different pieces. Uh, and then there's the people who are uh, doing it, but who identify in the specialist sport that they're doing, which Again, like that's they're they're getting a lot of benefit from it. Mm-hmm. But if it came to a zero sum game, I must pick A or B. They will pick B, where B is not movement. Yeah, that's because that's the that's the the thing that they're identifying with. Mm-hmm. So okay, true. Sure. Yeah, and, and inside of our community, we have some people, but definitely not the majority are are like this. And almost everybody does other things because we all have things we enjoy. I still dance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely.
0: Sean, what's your perfect day look like?
1: <laughs> uh, I, I don't I don't have a perfect day. <laughs>
0: Ideally. What's your ideal day?
1: Ideal day? Oh, I don't know. It depends on the you know, I, I used to ask myself that question all the time because I was like, Okay, I'm gonna like plan it out and then I'm like five minutes like no, five minutes, no, five seconds into I'm like, Okay, twenty four hours, like there's no way. There's no way, like what I wanna do research, I wanna I wanna move, I wanna be like, you know, with my family, I wanna I wanna go vagabond and, and just like be like, you know, shirtless in the park and enjoy like a, 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 a an idyllic day and then I wanna teach a class and then I wanna <laughs> like write articles and so instead I, maybe maybe an ideal week. <laughs> right. I don't know. Okay. It's a balance of things. Like I don't think there and and you know, there's no ideal day for I don't think. How do you, How do you, I guess a better question is,
0: how do you balance being a family man, an entrepreneur, a teacher, a student, uh, and a human being? How
1: do you yeah. balance that? So the family man thing is easy. I train with my wife <laughs> and my kids. Okay. So that's that's Taken taking care, care of there. Yeah. We, we practice together. Everything we're doing together is always like there's some physicality involved. I didn't anticipate it, but that's how it played out. Yeah. Um, and uh, the other thing, so actually the, the real answer to the question I think is uh, what I was telling you before by being obsessed on, wh- wh- which for me means like I see it all as one thing. Like, so we talk about movement on one end but I see movement as the other side of the coin of like academics as on the other side of like a multifaceted coin that involves a lot of other things but like they're all this one thing that I don't have a word for um, that's just the thing that I'm like in love with which maybe you know i try to reduce it sometimes to the word practice or to the word i don't know different words come to mind but it doesn't matter um to me they're all one thing to me like the you want to know what the ideal day is when it feels like whatever i'm doing is part of everything else that's the ideal day
0: when it just feels right
1: well let's say Yeah, but that is when it feels right. When it feels like the things are not separate. When it doesn't feel like I'm doing this and then I'm doing this and then I'm doing this, but I'm just being myself as like a cohesive whole. So like it doesn't feel divorced inside. The pieces feel unified. Mm -hmm. That's, I don't think that's, everybody needs that, but I needed that. Mm -hmm. So. Talk to me about pain. Pain. (laughs) It's a fun subject. I love pain. And I, I, unfortunately (laughs) I
0: didn't get the, it was, I mean, I think it was like, two years ago and you were having a workshop and I was on the other side of town and I was meeting up with somebody else. I didn't get, I didn't get to get to the workshop, but, yes. um, your perspective, what your teachings are about it. Obviously me as a practitioner, that's something I deal with on a constant basis, but yes. I think in a different aspect of most practitioners, uh, as a healthcare practitioner. Yeah. Pain. Talk to us about pain.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> I'm not an expert on pain, but I did learn a lot because of... Uh, of course
0: you are. You're. We all go through pain, so we're a subject matter expert on our own pain.
1: Are we, though? Because a lot of people come in and ask me about their own pain. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of people are like, I have this pain, what yeah. should I do? Um, like I, I actually can't tell you because, you know, like, I don't... Yeah, first, pain is, like, one word. So even for myself to use the word pain to refer to, like, 10 different experiences is a shitty, pro- shitty situation. Yeah. So I use like mental tags and even those are kind of like vague and overlapping tags. Uh, and then to communicate across this, like across space to another person about pain is very difficult. Uh, but when we're talking about pain, you know, the, the thing that I kind of, um, what, what, got me into the whole pain thing was, wasn't your Like it's actually a kind of, um, specific application of a really, major principle in neuroscience which is your experience is always constructed you don't see things as they are it's constructed it's so like you have a like you know some mm-hmm. people know like you have a blind spot but you don't see it your brain fills it in just like so many other things that you don't realize that your brain is filling it in you're not perceiving the thing it's just being filled in by by uh, by an amazing amazing system uh pain is part of that system and pain is a prediction that there's a threat to the body that's, that's what pain is. Like, it, you know, if you're going to ask, uh, you know, what, a neuroscientist, like, what is pain? It should come down to, it's, a, it's a, a prediction of threat to the body. Now, different people have different thoughts about pain, but, you know, there are no pain receptors. For example, this is like a mis, misnomer because there's just nociceptors and they're uh, just the mere activation of these nociceptors isn't enough to induce the sensation of pain. Again, like it's hard to talk about pain just because people mean different things, mm-hmm. right? But in a laboratory or even not in a laboratory, it's not enough that something just activates a nociceptor. They're activated all the time. So why are you not always in pain? These nociceptors, it's not like they're falling asleep. They're there. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're active. So what's going on? Uh, they're not uh, in conjunction at that moment with, with other inputs. that are uh, telling you that there's a threat. So there's like, you know, I, I think one of the most straightforward, simple uh, studies that was done was uh, giving people a cold rod, but showing them that it was red. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, the red
0: cold rod. Yeah, it's a yeah. red
1: cold rod and people see, sense burning. Uh, so, yeah, this is one example of, of this phenomenon um, where your brain is using and constructing an experience from, from what it expects all pain is like that, but then I said that, and then some of our students uh, thought that I that what we meant was like ignore your pain, and mm-hmm. that's not it either, because pain is part of a, a, a loop of things. So one, you first, you could have really just fucked yourself up, and you're just ignoring it, and often that's the case. Like you should be sensitive and bring attention and awareness to the to, to what's going on as you're moving. It's much easier to say pain is in your brain, ignore, smash yourself into the wall. Mm-hmm. Not a brilliant idea. Uh, the the the. You know, but once you're there, once you have this uh, this situation of pain, also it's not so great to ignore because pain also establishes uh, these, you know, is enough to create inflammation on its own. Like even a, a pain with no tissue damage of any sort is enough to alter the, the mechanics of uh, conduction of, uh, of signals from the spinal cord. Mm-hmm. So you can't ignore it. Like, it, it And at the same time, you can't just take it for what it is. So we believe in research your pain, like take some time and like figure it out. Often you feel like really fucked up and you spend some time just moving around and you realize, wait, that was nothing. I thought I really hurt myself yesterday. I, okay. Like I, I maybe you like squat down, you move your spine, whatever it is. And then you realize there was nothing.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And sometimes you feel great and you like do something terrible to yourself (laughs) Yeah, so that's that's our my thoughts on pain is uh, research it. like And by research, I don't mean... In go the, on Google. What's that? Go on Google Scholar. No, don't go. Yeah, I don't mean go on Google Scholar. I mean like uh, experientially. Where, yeah. Yes, and spend some time like moving around and seeing what really feels fucked up. Start to develop a different relationship. Start to give more nuance and, and, uh, and refine the experience mm-hmm. itself.
0: Yeah, I believe definitely pain is an experience. And it's an an individualized experience to each person Mm -hmm. because it also depends on what experience you've had in the past, Mm -hmm. what experience you're having now, and what your brain, like you mentioned, or what yourself uh, foresee happening, Mm -hmm. right? It's definitely a – most people think pain is just, okay, I have knee pain. Yeah. Right? It's just a knee pain. But – and then you wake up the next day and you have no knee pain. So was it really pain? Or was it a, an experience where you had now where beyond the stress and maybe a particular movement you did at that moment and it's just a flare up or a uh, signal to your brain to say, hey, whatever you're doing, stop right now. What's going on?
1: Yeah. But so that's the thing. Like even that signal cannot be. It, it's not a sick like it's not like a. There's no signal saying stop. Right. Mm-hmm. There's there's your brain is interpreting the signal and it's interpreting it along with your past experiences, like you walk into a lot of doctor's offices and you'll see the model of the skeleton mm-hmm. with the bulging herniation, yeah. right? Or you'll see a drawing or whatever of it. <laughs> what, like, and then, the, you know, you tell them like, then you have like a visual impression and you start to like think these things and your nervous system is. <laughs>
0: Creating a story.
1: Yeah, but it's, it's, it's also like very efficient. Like it'd be stupid for your nervous system not to think I have a herniated disc and to not have pain this would be a mistake because you gave yourself the impression that a herniated disc is some sort of death Problem. sentence. Mm-hmm. And so w- this is kind of the, you know, we, we need to be very careful with our words around things. Inflammation is probably one of the worst words we could have come up with to describe the phenomenon of, you know, cells cleaning up other cells. We gave ourselves a word that represents fire in your joints. Mm-hmm. Like what a, what a problematic way to envision the healing process. You could have used any other word you use of course they use it because it gets hot and red right but uh they they injected one of the worst memes into like the collective consciousness when they said that
0: (laughs) it's true and i say this all the time to people words are very very powerful Mm -hmm. uh first of all thoughts are powerful so the fact that you actually physical there's a physical component to that makes it even more real Mm -hmm. uh we talk about imaging all the time we talk about again those examples where yeah educational but once you learn something it's very hard to un-
2: unlearn it yeah. yeah like you mentioned yeah. yeah 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 um what are some recommendations in that area let's say if you as a non-practitioner wants to learn better how to deal with their own pain and how to um avoid some of the steps you were describing so what, what are maybe some practical steps for somebody to, to start that journey
1: yeah so i think i think. Everybody, yeah. You say like not a practitioner, but actually the recommendation I don't think depends on the status of being a practitioner of anything. Like if you're a human being, you should educate yourself on the nature of pain, and it's not, it hasn't been super accessible. But I think there are some people doing a really great job now of trying to put it out there. And uh, Laura Mermosoli, who's a, a researcher and also a clinician, I believe, has done some amazing work communicating. The science to the lay population. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's his website, dot .com that uh, really makes an effort to make this stuff accessible. So I, I, I would start with learn, the, learn what pain is, because we've been given a story that's an inaccurate story. Um, and you need, yeah, it, once you have that, you need to replace it with something else. You can't just replace it with nothing. So you mm-hmm. must have something else. And uh, that's, that's one side of it. And the other thing is, of course, the movement component. And uh, I think one of the biggest parts there is understanding that the body is an adaptation machine. <laughs> Every part of the body, 99% of the body adapts to stimulus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, so it doesn't matter what it is. Um, even the most seemingly avascular things can change in the body. Uh, and once... you. What, If things can adapt if things can change then nothing is some sort of very few things are really like terminal sentence like you must deal with this pain the rest of your life you hear like i like the terminology is like really annoying like shot my knees or shot my Mm -hmm. back you know you or blow out the knees yeah like these are problematic terms for for the reasons we said but people like you know think like oh my knees like with this narrative they come in often to classes or i'm sure to you like Mm -hmm. my knees are ruins like whatever my back is ruined and, uh, Back
0: is out of place.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is this is another one. this is another one. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, realizing that things adapt, and that one of the best things you can do is to move things, so mm-hmm. to, to get rid of. The- now there are ways to do it, and there are ways not to do it. Uh, but the worst way to do it is to not do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, I think that's the recommendation would be to move. Uh, and then there's like, you know, if you look just at the, like the side of how tissue adapts, there are some specific recommendations. For example, like certain sorts of strains respond very well to eccentric exercises. So in eccentric, um, eccentric squats have been studied, for example, and, uh, they've used it a lot in Scandinavia to see that it works really well for, uh, rest, uh, uh alleviating pain, uh, severe pain actually in, in the, the knees, I believe patella, patella stress mm-hmm. and, Yeah. So there's, there's certain things that work really well, like certain things you can do to bring blood flow, high volume work, high volume work, meaning like 50, a hundred reps of something. Mm -hmm. Also strengthening work, strengthening the shoulder, you know, the rotator cuff, for example, is a great idea, but also strengthen the stability of the scapula, for example. And uh, hanging is obviously one that uh, we use a lot for restoring health of the shoulder that we we have uh, several students and one really interesting story of a student who had like a, severe surgeries and like a lot of like reconstruction in the shoulder and uh, like severe back pain and just like through the practice of the spinal waves and the hanging and some other like just moving things mm-hmm. around. He, he gave us like a really nice note kind of about what worked for him and he reports, you know, that it, it substantially helped. So awesome. things improve, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Talk to us how uh, the listeners can uh, reach out to you. And now I have your email, right? Nicole at RepublicanMovement.com?
1: Yeah, yeah, email's a good one. Um, you know, I, I, the Instagram account, some people like to reach out to that. I don't like to answer like that one. So, okay. I prefer the email. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, I'll make sure to have that. Uh, you should see that at the bottom of the show notes here. And especially it was uh, Lori movie? Moth-
1: <laughs> uh, Lorimer Mosley. Lorimer Mosley. I'll definitely uh, So, so Lord, yeah, Lorimer is L O R I M E R, and Mosley is M O S E L E Y.
2: You're gonna remember the website, Tame The Beast. Okay, yeah. perfect.
0: Yeah, I'll, you should see that at the bottom of the show notes here. Um, and uh, I asked, I asked every guest for book recommendation because there are bookworms out there. But again, some people that want to really deep dive into this. Uh, and i you mentioned How to Change Your Mind by uh, Michael Pollan. Right? pollen yeah pollen uh, a mad desire to dance by uh ellie weasel, Beasel, yeah. weasel? and then the problems of philosophy by Bitrand russell yeah so no, none of
1: those have anything to do with what we're talking
0: about. <laughs> no worries but but talk to me why how to change your mind why did you choose that one
1: Yeah. so um michael pollen did a very beautiful job of uh, and there are some people who, who don't like what he did, like some old school people inside of the world of psychedelics who who, who feel they were left out. Mm-hmm. But uh, on the whole, he did a great job of, of taking a look at uh, how we can develop a better understanding of ourselves through psychedelics, but not, not in like a how-to guide of do psychedelics and then mm-hmm. you'll uh, have these experiences and you'll, yeah, it, it's it's more of a, a kind of an update in a lot of ways to how we understand ourselves, I think. So, you know, he's using the lens of psychedelics. Michael Pollan's the guy who wrote Omnivore's Dilemma for, I don't know if you're familiar with this one. So mm-hmm. he, he's a guy, he's a journalist, like with serious journalistic credentials who did just an amazing job of looking at, at the research behind psychedelics. So there's a recent emergence, basically, in the the usage of psychedelics for recovery from all sorts of shit and like or or and not just recovery but they like one of the big ones is uh, overcoming the trauma of imminent death for those with terminal illnesses terminal cancers and uh, the research is very promising and not just this they've like used it to treat all sorts of addictions and uh, it's been very effective and he's there's uh, yeah a lot of research on it he's kind of summarizing some of that research and then going very deep into uh, why, why an experience in which eliminating this default mode network, this kind of chattering in the mind, why that would uh, change how we see ourselves. And so it's, it's in a lot of ways about this. And, you know, that that sits behind meditation. It sits behind uh, the flow states and not the default mode network is like, you know, he, they're treating it from kind of like advantage of this is the enemy we must eliminate some other people talk about how it's the source of creativity hmm. in any case uh the idea is well, there's so much to be learned from psychedelics and whether or not you're willing to take them doesn't matter and you learn from this book about our, about mm-hmm. our, the nature of what, what it means to be human and to have this mind and yeah okay it's cool um, talk to me about A Mad Desire to Dance. Yeah, Uli Wiesel is a, an amazing author. Um, uh, he was a... Yeah, so this, this book, what can I say? Like It's a fiction book, and uh, it's about a man who's possessed, or believes he's possessed by um, a Dibuk, which is a kind of like a Jewish, uh, mystical, myth, uh, mythology-type demon. And... Uh, yeah, it's about madness, and I, I don't know, like, we're all a little possessed, like, <laughs> I, I I, really believe, like, you know, we, we use the word, like, the word muse, for inspiration, comes from, and music comes comes from the muse, like, uh, the, the these outside agents that infected us, yeah. and the same with genius, genie, jinn, from the Arabic, uh, similar thing as the Debuk. these jinn uh, were, were spirits that could, you know, control, not control, I don't know if this is the right word, control, but who could influence you, and yeah, there's something to that state where where you're not fully in control, and maybe I think when you're not fully in control, actually you're the that's the most free will you can ever have, hmm. maybe because if you're in control of your actions, like what's your free will? Like you've controlled everything, but maybe when you open the doors, you're more in control. You you're more accessing free will, chaos, etc. Okay, we'll uh, leave that to another podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe.
0: The problems of philosophy. Talk to me about that book.
1: Yeah, bit. Bertrand Russell's a, a like a very important philosopher i have no knowledge of philosophy like, i'm not a philosopher uh, at all uh, this book is written in a way that a person without a background in philosophy can approach it it's not like a you know and the easiest read but it's not a super hard read either if you're just willing to sit with the pages and concentrate which mm-hmm. is harder these days but it can be done and uh, this book uh, it gives you just kind of an understanding of of what philosophy can bring into into life. So it's interesting he calls it the pro- problems of philosophy because like in a way it's like i guess they are problems. Um but it's things for example like uh, you know this idea that we were saying earlier that neuroscience says like we like you can't see the world uh, as it is or rather we don't see it as it is. Bertrand Russell's Problems of Philosophy reveals that you can't see it as it is. Uh, just by nature of the fact that you have a mind and this mind is a is a is not just a filter it pr- pr- produces expectations and it's reading reading this yeah and he, he goes from very many different uh, kind of uh, let's say layers of the philosophical uh, questions that can be asked and, and addressed and using pretty typical things but really giving a lot of insight into them i found it very useful like you know, we want general tools for movement. I think these are general tools for thinking. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I felt, I felt, I thought, I felt that I was thinking differently after reading this book. Okay.
0: Yeah. Tim, you have any questions before we go into uh, speed round? All right. Mm-hmm. So this next realm, we have two more. It's real quick. Uh, speed round, or how Tim likes to call it, uh, rapid fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, we ask you a couple of questions just to get to get to know you a little bit more. Uh, we put you, I wouldn't say pressure, but we give you. Two seconds to answer your
1: question. You get the Freudian sure. slips. Yeah, exactly. Exa-
0: <laughs> wow. That's been probably the best way to explain it. Okay.
1: Fro- no, how do you say it? Freudian slips.
0: Yes, yeah. exactly. All right. Basically, that's it. And then the last one is uh, three things that I would like to give. Tim,
1: do you want to start? Sure. What
2: is one one thing on your bucket list?
1: Bucket list? This is like the list of things you want to do in your life. Yeah, yes. like
2: one thing you didn't get to yet and
1: you would love to do in the near future. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh go to burning man really yeah why burning man um i don't i don't know yet okay Fair <laughs> it's, enough. it's a there's something interesting about the idea of like recreating a society like in in, in a model a desert that, yeah well let's say like that's a limitation yeah. like that's a challenge but there's something about like okay like, okay we're complaining well let's kind of let's find a fucking solution to the things that we're complaining about and i think at first, I was like, that's a bit silly. But then I started to look around, like, the neighborhoods, like, what if there was a bit more color? Like, at first, it's, like, it rubbed me the wrong way. And then and then what happened was I had an experience in one of these, like, local Burning Man events. And I'm like, this community is not who I thought it was. These people are, like, they have lots to offer society. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. All right.
0: Uh, your greatest fear?
1: Fear. Uh, if you have any. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Like, claustrophobia uh, is, is a, like. Being, like, closed spaces really Really? freaked me out.
0: Okay, so don't (laughs) lock you up in a closet. Yeah, yeah,
2: please
1: don't. (laughs) If you had access to a time machine, where would you go and when? Time machine? Oh, shit. Uh, I don't know. I would, uh, let's say, uh, I have no clue. Where would you go? Probably before, like, uh, you know, the very first humans, see what they were like. Wouldn't that be curious? Where do we come from?
0: True. Um your favorite favorite uh favorite song i don't oh. say favorite music but it might be a little general let's go specific favorite song
1: oh i don't have any favorite songs okay <laughs> any song stuck in your head Uh there's one the bowl of oranges by bright eyes that's uh, the only song i can remember the lyrics to because it's Bo- not a favorite song but it's stuck in my head
0: Bo- do you so how the words go
1: Oh, I wouldn't say that. Ah, oh,
0: Okay, <laughs> bowl of do this. If
1: you want another fear, it's like singing. <laughs> okay, got
0: it. Um, you want to ask one more question?
1: Sure.
2: If you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say?
1: And I think it would be something about... It's been on my mind lately. It's so why I have like a quick answer to it. Like Reconciling extremes doesn't mean cutting off either extreme. I think there's a path somewhere in between the two extremes that bring them both forward. And so, like one that's been on my mind lately, has been like dealing with the past. And like we we come from something, but we want to evolve. How do we let go of what we were in the past? Like how do we do that? And I think there's one of the reasons I love movement is because it's so primal. Like it's with us from the beginning, and yet it has so much complexity that I think it can it can maybe offer some solutions to the problems we're dealing with with like technology and identity and ai and like what what the fuck are we going to be in a hundred years i think movements maybe has some suggestions Mm
2: -hmm.
0: all right yeah man there's a lot going on in this podcast um (laughs) all right this last part is uh three thanks the first thank you goes to you sean uh thank you for taking the time to be here with us uh, with tim and i uh just to share your story share your your love for movement share your love for learning for for just being thank you very much for uh setting the time to to be here and to be basically our first person to actually not the first person but i guess with tim and i to talk talk some uh talk some knowledge i appreciate that sure uh the second thank you goes to our listeners because uh again we can have this platform we can have these great conversations but there's no one to listen to them and, and to really receive the this information uh, I would really be ashamed to be honest with you. So thank you to those who are listening. You could have been doing anything at this moment. You could have been at Burning Man, you know, <laughs> dancing around, but you decided to uh, listen to this podcast. So thank you very much. Uh, the last thank you goes to our clients, our patients, our students, um, even our family members, man. The, the, the people that allow us to do what we get to do every day, the people that value what we do, uh, our passion, uh, and see value off of it. Uh, Thank you very much, because, again, to have something that that we're truly passionate about, that we get to share and I love to share, um, to me is a blessing. So thank you very much. With that being said, this is Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, signing out. Hey there, Andy Fortuna here, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. I love the opportunity to connect and share information with passionate people just like you and would love the opportunity to do the same for others. So please take the time right now to leave a five-star review and help spread the word about this podcast. Thank you so much for your support, and see you on the next episode.